From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The new partnership with Reebok to offer new Toy Story-themed Instapump Fury OG Woody and Buzz sneakers to infinity and beyond, said the price tag. (laughs) What? How am I supposed to do it? To infinity and beyond, said the price tag. (laughs) I like the second read of the punchline. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's funny. It's a long enough name, too, for those shoes. So, so the vid is still about. I don't know what? if you've heard about this. The Chinese bat fever. In fact, uh, you get the uh, rising cases here and there. Houston's having a hell of a problem. Florida on the rise, etc. People are discussing anew what to do about colleges opening in the fall. I want to talk about that. Uh, as usual, the news coverage on cable news is uh, breathless horror porn, lacking uh, insight and 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 balance. I was talking to some people yesterday from small town, middle of the country, like practically literally the middle of the country, within like 20 miles of the exact geographic center of the country, and uh, and, and saying how <laughs> back in early March, they shut down for about a weekend, maybe not even the full weekend, where everybody seemed to take it seriously, mm. then it, it went away. That's how that's how long it lasted there. So yeah. it varies where you are. Obviously, it was a, a horror among horrors in New York City and practically non-existent in other places. Mm-hmm. So any blanket statements about this obviously don't make a lot of sense to people. 
Yeah, and and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. There are there's energy. The energy of populism can do some good stuff, but there's a lot of like populism that just ends up being so dumb and such a blunt instrument that it does more harm than good. And media coverage, for instance, of the COVID, it's a perfect example of. Well, they have different goals than populists. They just they just want to sell as many commercials as possible, get as many eyes and ears, so they want to scare the bejesus out of you. But this is exactly the sort of situation where we ought to be looking at things differently. For instance, you know, CNN and, and, and Nakedly Progressive Radio and the others I was checking out on my way in uh, this morning uh, were talking about the rise in cases in Houston and Florida and all sorts of places and how that's caused uh, various governors and health officials to reconsider the openings and blah, blah, blah. And that now they're seriously thinking they're not going to open colleges in the fall. Um, and given the fact that if we hit somewhere around 70% of people have been exposed to the thing, it will go away and we can get on with our lives. The knee-jerk thought that, well, rising cases, kids will get cases, so we can't have that, it's just, it's not smart because still the, the mortality level among the young and healthy college-age people is infinitesimally low. I mean, I did lots of things in college more dangerous oh, no doubt. than getting the vid. Oh, no doubt. Practically on a weekly basis. Yeah. Let's not get into details in case the statute of limitations has not run out. But uh, the idea that we must automatically protect the kids or keep the schools closed. And listen, I'm not a moron. I get that if Johnny gets it, and goes to grandma who's only got one lung and gives her a big hug, well, then we could have a a pretty serious problem. But uh, I think we can probably work around that. If granny's got one lung, Johnny can stand outside her window, draw her a a valentine with a heart, and wave to her and talk to her on the cell phone. I think we can figure this stuff out. So I'm looking at the national deaths over the last eight days. Looks like the average is around 600 somewhere. I mean, there's a number as low as 250 from Sunday. There's a 390 in there. These are extraordinarily low numbers compared to the 4,000 dead a day we were told might happen, the 2,000 dead a day that did happen. And we're talking nationwide, Nationwide, right. right. Uh, So yesterday was 433, day before that 250, 607, 704, 390, 840 one time last week, but still... Quite a bit down. On the other hand, you know, you have a well. If you had a thousand deaths a day for a month, you'd have thirty thousand more dead people, which is a lot of which is a lot of people. Right, right. And anybody who's immune, immune compromised or elderly or you know the underlying comorbidities, as they say in the medicine business, uh, you got to be super duper careful. Super duper careful. Uh, double super duper. Uh, we have a friend of the family who's got a compromised immune system. Poor gal has not really left her house for uh, several months now, mm. and it's a drag. But you know, it's it's necessary for her. Um, but I think a lot of us agree that it's not only not necessary, but it's suicidal to completely shut down the economy again. We can't do it. In spite of the, I heard old oh, Doctor Sanjay Gupta on CNN has now lost his mind. I think he's been a high-dollar TV star for too long. Because he's talking about, as cases rise, states are talking about opening up even more. He said, that is insane. No, Sanjay, that's not insane at all. It, in fact, it's, it's, it's life-saving. It's incredibly important. The more we learn about how we can protect ourselves and others and be smart about it and the rest of it, the idea that we must prevent all cases is so wrong. When Victor
victory might be, you know, everybody who can withstand it gets exposed to it. So you want to run an experiment on on your college kids? Well, listen, I realize it's more complicated than that, but the media coverage is just so unhelpful. The mental health of kids, and I, I've t- I've talked, you know, anecdotal evidence. I've seen a number of cases of this, but kids are down, man. Asked my son if he wanted to FaceTime with his best friend Sunday. He said, nah, not really. The last time they talked, they had nothing to say to each other. Just to, They're down. Yeah. I don't know, you know if that will have any long-lasting effects, but when I mentioned the other day that the 4th of July fireworks are canceled in our town, I'm like, oh, I mean, there's just nothing to look forward to. Oh, boy. And it's just a weird, weird thing. I, I would like to see some sort of study done of the difference between little boys and little girls through this. Because anybody who's observed, you know, children and, and teenagers and grown men and women know that, to a large extent, women bond by talking. Men bond by doing things together. And guys don't want to sit around that much with a cup of tea and just chat. They want to do something. They want to play. They want to wrestle. They want to race, whatever. So I could see it being extra hard on, on the little fellas right now. Um but so if if they announce school is going to be at home again, I, I just I don't know how kids all across America would would react to that. I have heard a lot of energy behind the um, staggered schedules, social distancing, washing lots of hands version of going to school. But I think the vast majority of folks, whether parents or teachers or administrators, are, are thinking in terms of yeah, the kids have to go some of the time. Number one, so they learn anything, and number two, oh, yeah. so they don't go nuts. Haven't even touched on the fact that uh, everybody agrees that the learning was way, way, way down. Yeah, there's there's not a society on earth that says the healthy thing for children is they're kept home and they don't mix with each other. No way. A quick note from our friends at Simply Safe, the best home security system of 2020 you can get, and then we have uh, more fascinating information for you in about 40 seconds. But... Listen, it's all the good stuff. It's the doorbell camera and the alerts and the motion sensors and the keeping scumbags from breaking into your house. But it's none of the expense, the long-term contracts, and the messy installation of the, the traditional system. Simply Safe is the best overall home security of 2020. That's, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, and how complicated is it? Well, this is how complicated. You order it you, online, so you click a button, then it comes to you, then you open the box, then you place the sensors. doesn't take long. You do it yourself. Now you got it. You got the best home security security system of 2020. That simple. Costs about 50 cents a day, and uh, you're not locked into any contract. Fantastic. It's better and less expensive. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Protect your house. Keep them porch pirates away. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simply is spelled S-I-M-P-L-I. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. The president tweeting today that the federal government will arrest anyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property. Um, is that actually going to happen? I sure as hell hope so. Who's, who's the, We can't put up with that. Well, we certainly are. Mobs marauding through parks, tearing down statues. Whoever it was who tweeted the other day, is there a police department in the world? Is there a, a law enforcement agency in the country that will stand up to vandals destroying public monuments. Where are you? I guess the city fathers and mothers who frequently lean way left have decided we don't want to fight that fight, and goodbye civilization. Or don't get in the way of that because the mom's all worked up, and if you get into a confrontation, there's, you know, 
Who knows what's going to happen? It is 100% the churches next. Prominent BLM, not Bureau of Land Management, advocate Sean King has said, you got to take down all the images of Jesus where he looks white. Here come the church vandalisms. Cops going to stand up to that? Are you going to wait for the parishioners to take up axe handles? How is this going to go? God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I just, I don't know. We got an election day coming up in uh, what four months or something. What do you? What's the date of your marriage? I keep getting the date of your marriage and election day getting mixed up, Michael. What's your marriage getting married? Wedding? October eleventh. Wedding. Right. Uh, October eleventh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't vote that day. So it's, <laughs> well, you can vote if you want, but nobody's going to count. I'll it. Show up at your wedding. Trump's going to get my vote. Oh, it's a wedding. I got him backwards. Hey, if you haven't uh, made the trip, the vacation to Chaz yet, you probably ought to hurry up. Oh, darn it. Old Chaz Chop is uh, mm, not got much of a future. Okay. The Seattle uh, City fathers and mothers are finally saying, ah, right. Yeah, we should check in on that. And also a lot of people saying, uh, so it took a killing to to bring the obvious to you that you can't have a lawless region in the middle of your city? Chaz. Uh, more on that on the way. Show. In recent days, we have deployed community resources to both de-escalate the area and to move people to services. We will continue working with and deploying these community organizations to change the circumstances on Capitol Hill. That is Mayor Durkin of Seattle. Who is uh, tiring of the whole Chaz, or do you call it Chop? Hey, like- Mayor Jerkin, you let the police precinct get taken over by a mob. Chaz. Chaz. Freedom. It's a great feeling to do what you want to do, be what you want to be. Chaz. You know, I put a couple of drops of Chaz behind my ears. That's what I feel like. Oh, yeah. Freedom to do what I want to do and be who I want to be. Mayor Durkin earned her B.A. degree from the University of Notre Dame in 1980. After graduating, she moved to a Yupik fishing village on the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta in Alaska, where she taught English, coached a girls' basketball team, worked as a baggage handler for Ween Air Alaska, and was a dues-paying teamster. How about that, huh? That's some fascinating background <laughs> oh, information. Yeah, I'm telling you. So <laughs> Very thorough. <laughs> I'd say... The experiment in mob-run utopia in Seattle is starting to sour a tad with now several shootings and stabbings. And uh, business owners who were cowed into silence have now been motivated by <laughs> desperation to plea for the government to do what their tax dollars are supposed to pay for. And finally, the mayor, her honor the mayor, is uh, starting to bend under the pressure. Clip 17, please. We will be investing in black communities investing in young people, rethinking and reimagining policing, including our culture and budgets. We will have accountability and reform measures, including statewide reforms of police unions. So she's bargaining with the mob right now. She's begging them to let Seattle reestablish control over the area. I would suggest that her hyper-progressive policies have already turned Seattle into a toilet to a large extent. But, you know, that's up to the voters of Seattle. Y'all can figure that out for yourselves. 
Uh, there is some really interest, interesting stuff on police reform coming up. Tim Scott, uh, senator from Florida, talking about it. But uh, so uh, her honor, the mayor, calling officially for the end of, of Chaz Chop in the clip 18. Well, we believe individuals, organizations and others can continue to gather on Capitol Hill peacefully. The continued disorder, the violence and the impacts on residents and businesses are not just at odds with the message of justice and equity. They cannot continue to occur. We are working with community to bring this to an end. Okay, I'm not hearing a lot of declarative sentences. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, oh, no. I don't understand no. what she's saying. And if you hadn't told me that that meant they're getting rid of jazz, I wouldn't have known that that's what they're doing. Right. Is that what they're doing? Uh, yes. Are they going to, so yeah, yeah, people that. can continue to gather and, okay. She is begging the anarchists. Not to resist when the city reestablishes some level of control. So over the police the area. just going to show up and say, "Okay, yeah, the walls got to come down now," and they're going to shake hands with everybody, move back into the precinct, and everybody's going to be. I think that's the way it's going to go. You thought? Well, you know what? One more clip from uh, the mayor, and then we can discuss a bit more. Uh, Nineteen, please. Businesses need to open. Many of them have barely survived the COVID shutdown, and they and their employees are ready to get back to work and they should be allowed to do so. The organizers at Capitol Hill have concluded that they should not gather overnight. We need to disrupt the cycle of violence. Okay, Okay, again, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) The mob has admitted it's too dangerous at nighttime around here. This is not going well. But the hardcore people, i got to believe, are are not going to just let the police show up and take down those walls. What do you mean the hardcore people? Like the most radical, angry, Antifa, anarchist types? Yeah. Yeah, but the if, so-called leaders of the movement are kind of down with a compromise at this point. If those, if the hardcore types no longer have kind of the diluted smokescreen of the peaceful protesters, it becomes much easier to kind of essentially separate them, separate those two very different groups of people. I believe that, but I still think there's going to be violence. I think there's going to be tear gas in the air and sticks being swung. And rocks being thrown. Yes. Unfortunately, and, I hope not. In your, and the point Sean makes is a good one. You have various levels of, it's like a, a bullseye the, or a, a target, a shooting target that has your, your bullseye, then your, uh, you know, a ring outside it, then milder and milder till you get to 45-year-old suburban moms with their manicured fingernails and, 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 and uh, dyed hair who say they're down with the cause. They're on the outer edge. Your super hardcore are going to battle the cops. Of course, I don't know. Will the next level out and the next level out then say, oh, it's back on and come to their aid? Or will they think these are the maniacs? I mean, Seattle could not be a more progressive city. It's already been given over to the junkies and the bums and, 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 and trustafarians and the rest of it. If they bend over backward to get even further left, to avoid the hardcore burning and torching, they're doomed. They're completely doomed. But the people of Seattle will see that, and, and you know, a free society has a way of, of countering but uh, that the, sort of thing but some by the, voting different people in. But some of the organization leaders that are okay with the compromise, th- what did they think was going to happen? I mean, did they did they think this was going to, like, long-term, they were actually going to plant gardens and live there and yes. grow their own food and yeah. Yeah. have their own state that's not part of the city and... As Thomas Sowell has said, there are some ideas so crazy and stupid only an intellectual could hold them. I mean, those people that were plowing up the land and, and planting fruit or whatever last week, and right. that's, that's a long-term proposition. Right. They're that naive and deluded by their ideology. 
Fantastic. Well, we'll see how it turns out. It's entertaining. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And by the way, we should stop pretending that this is an election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. There is no Joe Biden. The Joe Biden you remember no longer exists. The babbling husk you see may have the same name and similar features, but behind the mask there is nothing but a jumbled collection of talking points from the early 70s. Turn on your record player. No malarkey. The candidate has no independent thoughts of his own. He has no core beliefs. He is empty. He is a perfect Trojan horse. For the people who have taken over the Democratic Party, he is perfect. Their plan is to ride him to power. Once there, someone tough and calculating and purposeful, Kamala Harris probably, will change the country. So, rambling husk? Is that what he said? That's uh, dismissive. So, uh, Trump and Biden have agreed to three debates, I guess. So. Oh, yes. Let's get it on. That's what America needs. That's the industry standard, right? Uh, More or less. More or yeah. less, yeah. Wake up. Thank you. Hey, girl. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. America's looking forward to it. Won't that be exciting? Although there's part of me that's dreading it and <laughs> thinking it could go badly off the rails. You missed the conversation with uh, Lon He Chen on Friday in which I asked the question. I think this is uh, really an interesting question. Is um, second term Trump, if he wins, would he be... Um, The people that don't like Trump are worried that you know he'd have he'd have nothing to, nothing holding him back from doing all the crazy things he wants to do. Mm. And then uh, other people who are more neutral on Trump or like Trump, are, I, I think this is actually what would happen. I think because he's not an ideologue, he doesn't have anything he's like super serious about uh, accomplishing other than perhaps the trade stuff with China that he's mm-hmm. been talking about his whole adult life. I think he's he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. He got reelected, and I, I think he does practically nothing for four years. Just mm. floating in the White House pool. Just kind of floating. Him. I did it. I got elected <laughs> twice. I'm done. I mean, it's just he's, he doesn't have a burning need to change the country this direction or, a lot, or not like a lot of presidents do. I so think I don't know. That you're right about the trade stuff. He'd continue to work on that just out of pride. So Lon He's belief was, I can tell you what his answer was, okay. and, and he he definitely could be right. This would be this is actually would be the smart thing to do because he's not an ideologue and he doesn't care about what Republicans have always done or not done or anything like that. He triangulates, as they said in the Clinton administration, and you know he takes back some of those issues that are in the in the middle to the left, gets big on those, and you know, and, and comes out with maybe a decent legacy at the end of the whole thing. Hmm. You know, uh, who did some of the that? stuff his daughter Ivanka really cares about, he gets all interested in. Ugh. Um, uh, Nixon was big on that. You look at Nixon's record; he was a he was a huge social uh, activist lefty in a lot of ways. Um, anyway, I'm kind of... people uh, gloss over that just because uh, some of his lackeys eh, may have committed a burglary. And he may have, I don't know, lost the Constitution for a while trying to cover it up. <laughs> um, Who among us hasn't made a mistake or two? So I really hope you all get to see the video that's out today of people trying to bring down the Andrew Jackson statue in Lafayette Park right in front of the White House. I oh, mean, my gosh. It's the location that, that, that is so striking to me. And the fact that it's broad daylight, because this is evening when the sun is still up, 
And how many hours did this go on? It looks like it went on for a very long time. I had to stop watching. How long do people get to spray paint and throw ropes around a statue across from the White House before any sort of law enforcement comes and says, hey, you can't do that? I don't even know what the mechanism is. D.C. police, National Guard, whoever you'd send. You just you can't have that. Is there a country on Earth that's allowing this to happen? Oh, boy. A modern society where they're just allowing statues to be torn down in front of their, uh, the, the state capitals? Not for more than a cup of coffee, because once you permit that sort of anarchy, you're going to get more of it. Now, I, I would be interested to talk to you know uh, domestic policy people about, all right, when do you give to let people let off steam, and then you reestablish control when they're no longer quite so mad? Because everything comes and goes, including energy behind movements. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's judo or jujitsu. What do I know? Well, um, I think it's clearly gone too far. Mm-hmm. I think people absolutely feel, and I, I, how would they not, feel like they can with impunity bring down any statue in America. Yes. Anywhere, broad daylight, nobody's going to lift a finger to stop you. And I'm telling you, churches are next. Well, right. So that's where I was going with this in okay. terms of police reform. So because originally this whole thing started... The, the, the horror in Minneapolis, blah, blah, blah. It's about, you know, policing and this and that. Um, well, it's not about policing to bring down Andrew Jackson statues and and one of the founders of Black Lives Matters talking about smashing out stained glass windows that have a white Jesus on them. That's not about police reform. No. So, uh, it's about well, systemic racism. We're back to the Mott and Bailey, and the thoroughly defensible argument and philosophy. But then it stretches and it stretches and stretches. And finally, you, as a right-thinking American, find yourself uh, in a crowd that is doing things you find horrific. Well, the disappointing thing could be is that we get off track here and then, you know, sides settle in on fighting over things that aren't police reform when police reform might be a really, really good idea, whether it's more training or... you know. Different allocation of resources, mental health, all the different stuff that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. Dan McLaughlin's Father's Day essay in National Review, What I Learned from My Dad the Cop. I've seen this floating around. It's pretty interesting. I'll quote a little bit of it for you. He loved the cops and the job, but he was also cynical about bureaucracy and realistic about people. He'd tell me something along the lines of, <coughs> excuse me, my dad would tell me something along the lines of, the NYPD is 25,000 of the best men you'll ever meet, but there are 35,000 cops. Mm. Uh, sort of thing we've heard from police before. By which he didn't mean all the rest were necessarily jackbooted, jackbooted villains. Some were lazy, some were on the take, some were just bad coworkers or bosses who knew how to play the system, just like anywhere else. Right. And it's the idea that, yeah, police reform, perfectly good idea. Cops know there are a lot of bad cops. We've talked to a whole bunch of them on this show who say that. Um, so focusing our energy on that would be fine, but we're gonna, that's all going to get lost if we keep heading down the, the road of tearing down statues of former presidents. Right. The, the, the cop stuff's going to fall by the wayside. Yeah. Well, so many of the folks in the streets, the right-thinking, progressive, uh, nice people, Think they're being led by people who just want justice in the way we can all agree on and not, you know, people's uh, rights being taken away by cops and just racial harmony. They think that's what those leaders 
are for. They don't understand that they're actually being led by people who have incredibly radical beliefs. Well, you've got you've got people like uh, like us, people in the media who are scared to say a lot of things because you'll lose your job. Um, I don't know exactly know what politicians are doing. Tucker Carlson made the point last night. Kevin McCarthy made one statement last week, like from his office, and it was about something with Syria. Mm. No strong statement about people tearing down statues right in front of the White House or anything like that. Is is anybody in government at the highest levels willing to say, you can't tear down former president statues in the park in front of the White House? You can't do that. Mm. Is anybody going to say anything? This is so weird. How does this happen? Uh, you know, there's part of me that thinks we need to stand up hard against the lawlessness, crack down on it, make it clear it is not permitted. And there's part of me that thinks, i got to be careful in how I word this, please do. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of people who want what is good and just and want America to live up to its promise. And I'm with y'all. There are also angry radicals. And there are also just people who want to smash stuff. And you have to let it run its course. Like, when somebody loses their temper, then is not the time to engage. Let them blow off steam, then you start to talk to them. Um, I think there are probably a lot of folks in government who think, all right, let the the steam blow off, and then we'll get back to work. I just you got to be careful what precedent you set. As we were discussing before, what does the mob want next month? What does the next mob want? Next year. Next riot over whatever it's over. What's that one going to be like? That's something Sam Harris talked about in that podcast that I uh, tweeted out and been talking about. Yeah. What's the next riot? What, what's that one going to look like if we've if we've set the precedent of you get to smash the windows out of any stores you want to? There'll be no price to pay for that. And Nobody if you are anything. arrested, you'll be turned loose without charges. And if you need any money, somebody will bail you out. Right. <laughs> Celebrities will bail you out. Um, And any statues, anything like that, you know, any historic whatever, that's all fair game. There will be no pushback against that. Right. Right. You, any chance there's not going to be one of these uh, uprisings in the next six months? What about November 4th? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the day yeah. after the election. Which, God help which, us. which brings us to the election. If Trump wins in a close election, um, and you can even uh, possibly argue that it was, you know, there were shenanigans somewhere. If you can even possibly make the argument. People will be shenanigans? Going That's malarkey. Yeah, well, it could be. On the other hand, the part of me, the optimist in me, uh, he's been away for weeks. He finally got home. Where have you been? Is <laughs> uh, reminded that, that politics and history is a series of actions and reactions. And uh, the reason we have a United States is that uh, George III pushed way too hard and his goons pushed way too hard. Well, if the... Uh, and, and the confusing part about this is the hardcore activists uh, at, a heart of, uh, at the heart of a lot of this do not represent the beliefs of the people in the streets. The people in the streets don't know that, though, because they haven't read about it. But if the hardcore types who are smashing and pulling down statues and want to smash the stained glass windows in your church, and they're avowed Marxists and want to dissolve the nuclear family and the rest of it, they will push too far, and Americans who are slow to awaken will finally yawn, stretch their arms, and realize, oh, that's what these people want. And they'll have pushed too hard, and, we'll, and insanity will retake the day. I hope that. 
Got to admit, I could help you pull down a Columbus statue, I think. Whack him on the head. I've always hated Columbus Day, so. I know you've 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 made that clear through the years. <laughs> oh, yeah, our, I didn't just get, holiday. I didn't just get on this bandwagon. Oh no, check you're, the tape. This goes years back. You're OC original Columbus hater. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. It looks like we've got two major sports that are coming back in July, which is kind of exciting. We need something. Mm, are they? You don't think they are? I say they're not. Okay, stay tuned. We want to stand with our friend, and we want to stand with Bubba, and that's what uh, took place through last night, this morning, and then as this idea came together today, and it started within the drivers, and then as the crew members caught wind that we wanted to push Bubba's car down and and, uh, stand with him during the national anthem, uh, the teams wanted to get involved as well, and and you saw the support, it's pretty amazing. That's a long video from the NASCAR uh, website. I'll retweet that uh, just if you want to catch it. I don't know if you saw that, but it's it's pretty damn cool. I'm not moved by much outside of my own family, but I found that quite moving. I, it was. It was touching. Um, uh, all the all the team members and drivers and everything like that walking along uh, side Bubba Wallace's car as he uh, rolled out onto the track because of the whole noose coming being found in his pit over the weekend and that crap. Um, whether that was real or not. Um, the FBI is investigating it, and I think we will know, because there is a 50-50 chance it was stone-cold racist or activist. I bet to you bring a more thousand dollars it. it was activists. But I could be wrong. Um, either way, it doesn't even make any difference, though. It doesn't make any difference if it was real or not. The, 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 uh, the response is real. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and it just gets to the whole... I mean, you see, there there's a sport where uh, a lot of people would have you to believe it's just full of racists and everybody involved in the racists and all the fan are racists. Well, it certainly didn't look like it there. Right. Um, right. And they were so certainly running contrary to their uh, what's going to be good for them if their fans are full of racists. They're not. Right. They're just not. That That's one of the problems with this whole thing. The term systemic racism gets thrown around Way too much. We're not a country founded on racism. Most people aren't racist. We don't have racist policies and laws across the state. There could be institutions that discriminate somehow on a racial basis, but it's not on purpose. It's not built in. There aren't people at the top of these various companies that are intent on keeping black or brown people down. Right. If there are, prove it to me. Show me any data to back that up. No, they, they don't They don't need data. They are not even talking about data. The very institutions of this country are racist because the country is racist. It's like if, if I was a racist, you would have to say my kitchen table is racist because it's part of my system. That's their argument. And the problem is it's it's there's no counter argument to something that crazy. The uh, s- critical race theory people, they would scream at those NASCAR drivers that they're not they're still racist because they're not anti-racist. They're not tearing down the white supremacist system of the United States. Yeah, I remember when I was talking and about people this. People are marching in the street with those people thinking they understand what they want. 
Yeah, remember, I was talking about this six months ago. There's a term I learned from one of James Lindsay's podcasts. God, what is it? It's a complicated term. But when you do something like that, it's actually proof that you are a racist. Correct. Because you're 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 doing something that you think other people need to see, and you're you're pointing to them that you're going along with this to prove you're all racist. It's so complicated. It oh yeah. Mean, but well, and everything and is usual, proof that you're a racist. Right. You cannot possibly win. That's the key. You are constantly in a state of guilt. And therefore, you can be controlled and compelled to do what uh, they order you to do. So, yeah, the, though the, the real critical race theory people, your big writers, your Ta-Nehisi Coates and all those people, those drivers prove their racism by joining arm-in-arm to support their black friend. There you go. Deal with that. So, I'm um, looking at this tweet. Uh, I got two tweets here, one from the president and one from a black, uh, from this uh, Marissa J. Lang person. She tweeted out, this is Washington, D.C., where last night people had ropes and spray paint and were trying to bring down the uh, Andrew Jackson statue in the park and everything. If there was a statue that didn't need someone to step in for defense, it has to be the Andrew Jackson If he could statue. come alive, he'd have just fought everybody. Like if, if I'm with the crew and we're figuring out which statues get taken down, I'm doing everything I can. Like I know, th- I know that you know he's probably not haunting his statue, but <laughs> just in case. No, if he were, things would get bloody. Yeah, the, those cops maybe saved protesters' lives if the statue... I'm like, where Madison statue. I'll take that one down. You know, the um, reason Andrew Jackson was so tough, just as a quick aside, is that he grew up a poverty-stricken orphan who was at constant risk of starving to death and had to fight his way through life to survive. Like a lot of poor white people in the South, they were utterly starving poor. Anyway, so this text fr- tweet from Marissa J. Lang, I'm at Black Lives Matter Plaza in D.C., so I didn't realize the plaza had been renamed Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I heard it refer to that on the news this morning. Where a flock of dozens of D.C. police are on bikes and just overtook the area and are moving protesters out and tearing down all signage designating the area as hashtag BHAZ. I saw at least one man get arrested. We've all been pushed back. Well, Donald Trump had tweeted earlier that he was not going to allow any sort of a Chaz situation to occur in in Washington, D.C. while anytime while he was president. So that, I don't think he had anything to do with that i mean the the president doesn't tell the dc police what to do um, no although it's a complicated system sure, it sure is yeah but i would guess well there aren't many places like seattle um where they're going to allow somebody to set up their own autonomous zone where police aren't allowed right they, they tried it in portland which is pretty seattle adjacent oh, yeah. both yeah. geographically and politically and they yeah. and it didn't get yeah. get a foothold yeah portland shut it down in the middle of the night so i think the dc police probably would have would have acted whether trump said anything or not um but anyway so that that's that situation mm. black lives matter plaza well you can see how if you let that get a toehold by uh within 2 days you'd have a thousand people in there living there and then you'd you you'd really have a war on your hands to try to shut it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some sort of Occupy Wall Street situation, but right across from the White House? No, not tenable. Can't do it. Not going to do it. And by the way, I say uh, to John Meacham, author of American Line, won the Pulitzer Prize just a couple of years ago, writing about Andrew Jackson. You going to go on MSNBC? He's always on MSNBC criticizing Trump. Are you going to criticize the protesters that were trying to tear down a president that you wrote about? No way. And lionized. Nope. You're going to say nothing. Right. That's something. Got to keep your head down. 
That's something. Yeah, well, we probably ought to, but we're not going to. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.